Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. That tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. All right, guys, welcome. This is Stacking Pennies Championship Edition. We are fresh off a barn burner of a weekend with a heck of a finish in the truck series, an amazing finish in the Xfinity series, and sure enough, the big chief, Kyle Larson, gets win number 10, plus the all-star race, and that big championship trophy for Mr. H. Man, a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about it right in sequential order because we have who might deliver, might just be caught up by now. Mr. Ben Rhodes will be joining us here later in the show. We have the Xfinity Series champion, Daniel Hemrick, joining us. And we also have no stranger to stacking pennies, Mr. Kyle Larson. But right now, I'm joined with a couple of my good buddies. Mr. Pitt Road, Boson Wells analyst, Ryan Flores. Hey there. How's it going? Yeah, it'd be better if we won the Xfinity Championship, but we didn't. So now I'm here with you. Yeah, well, you'd be here with me anyway, but you'd be a little more happy. Than Damn you. right. I'm good. Mr. Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes Jonathan Merriman. Yeah, my DoorDash didn't show up yesterday. Turns out some asshole with a seven on the side of a car uh, just wrecked my delivery driver. Yeah, he, he didn't quite make it. Sandwich got a little cold. Uh, <laughs> we'll cover that later when we get to the cup segment because I had a pretty infortuitous first 15 laps of that race, which really sucked. And then also in route because his logistics got messed up. He was going to fly from Phoenix to L.A. to give you all some clash content but he's now riding in the car, Mr. Chuck Bush. Yeah, I'm reporting to you live from somewhere in the desert, about 200 miles outside of LA currently. So uh, yeah, if you lose me, it's because I'm in the middle of nowhere. Well, Chuck, why are you in the middle of nowhere? What happened? I'm in the middle of nowhere, Corey, because there was apparently a fire at uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor uh, Airport and that messed up uh, the electricity and the line for check-in and all that was outside of the building and down the sidewalk. We had a bunch of gear that we had to fly to LA, so we figured it might just be safer and smarter to go ahead and make the five-hour trip across the mountains and the desert to California. We call that dedication around here to the game. So you are headed out to LA. Bringing you all the good content, all the good content. All of it, all of it. And even can squeeze in a podcast or two while he's on the way. So, man, we appreciate all the opinions have been on the show the entire year. Got a lot of stacking penny shout outs this weekend at Phoenix because, hey, I don't know if you noticed, guys, but there was a herd of people that came to Phoenix this weekend. That was probably the most energy I've seen around a race since that 2020 Daytona 500. I'll be honest. I mean, that race, Julie Giese, who's been on the show, president of Phoenix Raceway, her and her team knocked it out of the park this particular weekend. And this was the first time they've had full capacity with their championship weekend, and they killed it. Ryan, what do you think, just comparing Homestead Championship weekend to this particular week, what were some good things you noticed that uh, Phoenix did? You know, I think this this weekend, uh, you go to the Xfinity race, you know, flipping uh, the front stretch and the back stretch and everything they've done to that racetrack, what happened in the Xfinity race is why they did that. Right. So with that being said, going to the cup race, pit road, right? I've been telling you guys all year, where's it going to be one? It was one, you know, with pit stop with 20 or 30 to go. And um, what they do there, I feel like that track, the way they apply the, the traction compound is better than any track we go to. How people can move up, how it wears off with the heat and the way that, that it works. Uh, it creates multiple lanes. You can do different stuff with cutting the corner off. Hell, some of them guys, Larson was damn near 
touching the inside fence in the one a couple times. So uh, kudos to Phoenix, one of the tracks that reconfigured, applies the traction compound, and gets it right. What also felt like, Merriman, were you, were you out there? I didn't see you. I was not. I was at home. Best seat in the house. Well, that's good. So you got to uh, take it in like a good old-fashioned fan. Being at the track felt like a championship weekend, Chuck. Did you agree? Oh, I 100% agree with that. Like, we did a DoorDash pre-race show. So we were around in the fan zone, in the midway, checking out all the sites. And the fans, one, were amped up because... I mean, it's championship weekend, but all of the cool stuff that Phoenix has, like the track itself, the barn out there on the midway, just the setting, all the campground was packed. We rode out race day morning out uh, pretty much into the desert, kind of like I'm doing right now, to get some scenics and all that. And the fans, you could just feel like the energy, they were ready to go. And they had been like that all weekend. It, it was it was an amazing thing to just kind of be out there and feel it was the closest feeling to normal NASCAR racing that I think, like you said, since the 2020 Daytona 500. It feels like we are light years away from that, but it, it also made you feel good that NASCAR, I kind of looked around and felt like NASCAR's back. You know, I felt like, you know, with the, with all the attention going on the championship four, I, I saw the Larson's going to be out in LA at the, at the Staples center tonight, uh, just promoting the clash. And I think we're probably less than, 80 days away now from that right now, but I do want to give a little bit of a break because we have been racing nonstop and we're also going to be testing nonstop with these next gen cars almost every two weeks from now until, until we get to that clash. So I don't want to jump the gun too much. I want to take a little bit of a vacation, maybe like, I don't know, three, four days. That'd be nice. I don't ask for much, but sure enough, we're going to be practicing pit stops for one nut, no more five nuts. We're going to be trying to figure all that stuff out. But I don't want to get too far out because we have a lot of championship talk to talk about, and I don't want to make our guest wait any longer. Let's go ahead and recap this truck series race. Four guys going for the cup. John Hunter Nemechek, who is hashtag here for wins, had multiple wins on the year, was probably the championship favorite going in, was my favorite championship favorite going in. Ben Rhodes, Thor Sport. Matt Crafton, also Thor Sport. And Zane Smith, who punched his ticket at Martinsville, who I thought had a lot of momentum going in there as well. That was not what maybe a lot of race fans would consider like a thrilling ending, being that it was a long run. Ben Rhodes passed Zane Smith with less than eight to go because you didn't get that, you know, bottom of the ninth move per se when you get that last race restart, late late race restart, and you got guys bouncing off each other. But I thought that that was a killer race, Merriman. Yeah, I uh, I was out to a, uh, a birthday dinner, and thank goodness I have uh... – the race where I can watch it on my phone. So we were, uh, we were sitting there at a nice little steakhouse and I was sitting there watching the truck race. I think if, uh, if, if Nemechek would have had a caution, I think he would have caught him, but all things considered, uh, Ben Rhodes put a heck of a move on Smith there uh, towards the end of that thing to get by him. And uh, the, the best thing about the entire night was the post race press conference, which you can watch in full on uh, NASCAR's YouTube page uh, because old Ben Rhodes was, uh, he was in the sauce pretty deep. He was in the sauce. It also sounded like he's never been in the sauce a day in his life. That was almost like when your 14-year-old brother snags the brunettes out of your mother's liquor cabinet and tugs on it the first time. Like, geez, Louise guy, like, learn how to control your Bud Lights. But my man was having a blast, truck series champion, 
I'll give him a little bit of rope, but Alan Kavana tweeted a good compilation video because I was watching the presser live and I'm like, oh my God, this is a train wreck. So Alan gave us a condensed version with all the zingers in like a minute and a half video. Like that's the video you got to go see. It's a pretty good comparison to your little brother. Maybe when he started drinking old Beaver Dragon, but dude, the truck series ended like that because it's probably been the most competitive series this year. Right. Like that's why the, the four guys that are race for the championship weren't the four guys, you know, at the front of the field. So good on them. It's, it was a good blue collar race. And um, yeah, Ben Rhodes putting on a Keselowski esque performance drinking wise. Oh, oh, we well, get yeah, drinking wise. Yeah. Not driving wise, drinking wise. I was say I was thinking that Zane Smith had that one there for a little bit. That's a track that he was good at. But it's like you said, it has been some of the best racing all season. Uh, in, in the truck series and when he was in the media center it sounded like uh, Fisher Price my first Bud Light and you could hear the Kentucky coming out strong in Ben Rhodes's voice yeah dude it was uh it was definitely something else now like I like how you know people kind of embraced it and were working with him instead of being like oh you know why are you drinking so much like let the guy have some fun we're going to talk to him here shortly on the show to get his point of view and how many beers he officially drunk I'm going to take the under on two. You know, I think he, he might have been a, you know, a two beer guy and he got to a level that, uh, you know, he got there pretty quick. Kind of like Ryan. Ryan's. It was, it was actually just water. It was only water. He wasn't actually drunk. The first, yeah, the first one was a real like Bud Light and the second one, they just dumped some water in the can and he thought he was drinking another Bud Light. I think that's probably what it was. But let's not forget to touch on there was action early. The first lap of the race, uh, the championship favorite, John Hunter, got into turn one a little bit deep he got into it with a lap i don't know it wasn't a lap car but a slower guy because he did qualify well ultimately five or six laps later cut a left front tire down and went two laps down the first run uh fought back crept back and to merriman's point i believe that he if he would have got a caution he might have been there at contention at the end but i don't know if he had a set of four tires left laying if that you know that should have could have would have but there's a lot of factors didn't play in. But what did play in was that 99 team holding the big trophy at the end. David Pepper, the general manager of Thor Sport, was a spotter of mine over to 32. So I liked seeing those guys uh, be successful. But there wasn't a whole lot of pit road woes there on uh, on Friday. Well, one thing that was a pit road woe with that Ford truck is two races to go. They swapped pit crews, and they had the 20-cup pit crew all year pitting that thing. Kyle or somebody made a decision they needed the 18 on that. And then they had two terrible races, not on pit road, but maybe a little bit of karma. You dance with the date that got you to the dance, right? So I don't know. You know, sometimes that works out, but when it doesn't, it's pretty stinky. It is a little stinky, you know, and, and we don't know that if we're not behind the scenes in pit crew land like you are. That's why you're our analyst, you know, because you have a – you got a girlfriend for – 22 weeks. Well, you can't dump her one last week. You think you're going to get the same thing. That's not how it works. Sure enough, that wasn't what happened. Now, John Hunter obviously will be a championship contender next year as well. Ben Rhodes is already committed to coming back. Uh, Zane Smith, I believe, is going to G staying at GMS in that truck. There's a good chance all four championship contenders are coming back here next year. So, all right, let's not wait any longer. Let's get our 2021 Camping World Truck Series champion, Ben Rhodes, here on the show. Okay, guys, opening us up here is our first 
NASCAR champion of the weekend, Mr. Ben Rhodes. Man, thanks for jumping on Stack of Pains with us. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. This is a podcast I've listened to for a while, so it's kind of cool to be on it. Don't bullshit me. You don't listen. No, I have. No, you don't. <laughs> it's fine if you don't, but I'm glad you're joining. No stranger to being a NASCAR champion, I might point out. You were a K&N Series champion. So how does being a K&N Series, I guess not being a Truck Series champion, compared to the honors of a K&N Series trophy? Yeah, um, well, the – excitement level was the same for me but, but all the activities leading up after um you know leading to the banquet after the checker flag falls is uh considerably more with the truck series and i gotta say it's been a lot of fun but um i never never could have imagined all the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes there's like an army of people pushing events and different ways to get out there and meet and you know sponsors and it's been a lot of fun it, it really has well man it's and you've had it like you're a young guy but you have been in this thing for a while. I almost feel like I like talking about guys who weather the storm, if you will, right? Like you come out of the Canaan series driving for, was it H Scott, I believe, or Turner, you know, and you were like the next guy. <laughs> and because I, Hey, I've, I've been the next guy. And there's a plaque of me in the ESPN next article. You said that shit turned out. So like, you go to junior motorsports, right? And and you had to think that this is your path paved in gold bricks to the top of where you want to go. So to get from that, like talk a little bit about the like the emotional drain of going through that, having to figure out how to have confidence in your abilities, because that's the first thing to go. And when you don't get the results you expect to going into a situation. Yeah, confidence is so, so hard to maintain in the sport. And I mean, as everybody knows the saying, you're only as good as your last race, right? So I went from, you know, the highest of highs in the K&N series to being off for six months. I finally got my first start in the Xfinity series in May, I do believe. And I only had 10 races. So, you know, that to me was the way to get in with people, the right people to try to get you know, in the best equipment possible and align yourself with one of the best teams possible to get your foot in the door. And um, obviously it didn't, didn't really work out. I didn't have the best performances and we had uh, different wrecks and parts broke and just different things happened, but I, I didn't feel like I matured or got any better as a driver. If anything, I took a step back. I went from having all these races in a year and getting better with, with each performance to now having only 10 and, and, you know, it was something I had zero experience in. I never really drove anything with radial tires. I, I never really drove anything with aero plat balance or platform, like, you know, stepping into an Xfinity car. So that was really, really tough. And then, you know, of course, at the end of all of that, I got a call from Thor Sport Racing that said, hey, we think we could give you the opportunity and the lessons and, you know, the resources you need to get you to where you want to be in the sport. And turns out where I'm at is where I want to be. I'm, I'm really happy with where I'm at, but they've done so much for me and, and, and really believed in me when nobody else would, even from the start when 2015, when my stock was as low as it probably would get, they really believed in me and that meant a lot. So I definitely wouldn't be racing without door sport. And to this day, I'm still as grateful as ever for it. And you, you, you mentioned that Duke Thorson over there at Thor Sport gave you the opportunity, the olive branch almost, if you will, to kind of get your career back on track. But from what they said, to get you where you ultimately want to be in the sport, it, do you still have aspirations to get to Sunday? Or do you see yourself, I mean, 
what I mean, what are you, 23 years old? I mean, how old are you? Yeah, 24. So, like, do you still see yourself? You got to see yourself behind the wheel of a cup car eventually. I wouldn't – I would enjoy running cup, right? But here's the thing. Like, look at look at the opening of seats that are in the cup series. I mean, there's only 20 cars, give or take, that are capable of, of winning, uh, maybe less. By the time you factor in some of the people that are working on them, what, what, what are the opportunities at, right, to, to win? I mean, if I'm behind the wheel of a cup car and I, I, I'm not able to win each week, I, I would much rather be in the truck series running for championships, man. Um, and and to say that, too, I've got so much support at Thor Sport. You know, Duke of Nauta have become like a family to me. I've learned so many things on and off the track really from them. And I'm up here all the time. We have margarita nights, we have pizza nights, we have pasta nights, and we have breakfast. So I've got my week lined out for fun, you know, and, and to learn and to build relationships. And, you know, it's hard to see other places as even options for me. It, it, it definitely in the truck series is that, you know, to be in Xfinity series, I don't really, I don't even consider that. I, I, I love where I'm at. And the Cup Series, like you said, like, where would I go? There's, you know, if you're not competing for wins there, then I'm very happy with where I'm at. Well, and, and you're certainly with a good group up there. Rich Lucius it was your crew chief, championship winning crew chief. Now, I can't just breeze over. I can't just breeze over what sounded like to me you had your first sip of a Bud Light on <laughs> Friday night. Tell me, we had, a, we had a bet going. We had a bet going whether you had – two or more beers before that press conference, I'm going to say you had about four sips of your first one and you were <laughs> Have you, sir, drinking a beer in your life? Oh, absolutely. Hey, here's the thing. Corona Premier is what's hot. up. That's the hot ticket in Sandusky. It's Corona Premier for, for whatever reason. I don't know. That's a hot ticket up here. So, yes, I've had lots of beer. <laughs> I do really like me some Bud Light, uh, but I'm a bourbon guy, too. I'm from Kentucky. I live right down the road from majority of all the distilleries. I mean, they're, they're, I'm in the bourbon capital, so I'm a bourbon boy. I went for an old-fashioned. They didn't have it. <laughs> the bartender said, I don't know how to make it. She says, here's a Bud Light. And I said, that's awesome, too, so <laughs> I'll take it. But I had four. I think I had four to answer your question. All right. Now – But I had champagne. I'll, I'll give you the champagne. benefit of the doubt. Right? You, you were sweated. You, were, you, you didn't have any electrolytes in you. <laughs> It hits different. It, it really does. So, yeah, will you start mixing some BLs and some Champagne after, you know, a couple-hour race, sweating, your adrenaline's going? Yeah, it's going to hit you a little different. So I felt for you, Thanks. and I was entertained by it. Uh, and you could tell you were pumped up, too, because I think that that was the biggest thing that people were gravitating to is just how excited you were to get Thor Sport and Victory Lane and be holding your first Truck Series championship. So, what man, what do you think? Next, I know you don't want to talk about next year because you want to kind of bask in it and enjoy the moment. But man, how how long do you think you can sustain this truck series? I don't want to say dominance, but how long do you how long do you think you're gonna stay on top? Uh, well, I just learned how to do it, and I feel like I didn't even do it. Like I don't know, we celebrated, we had fun, but I feel like we didn't even win the championship. I don't know, it went by so fast. I'm hungry for more. I feel like two wins wasn't enough. It, it wasn't acceptable to me. We had, we didn't have a DNF. We, I think we still had the highest finishing average in the series for the year, uh, if I'm reading my stats correctly. But it wasn't good enough. We need to go out and we need to win more races. We need to not finish outside the top ten at all. We need to um, finish all the laps. 
there's a lot of things that we can improve on that I wasn't happy with. And I was just having this conversation literally 10 minutes ago with my crew chief. There's a lot of things we need to improve on and we have to improve on them because there's no way that we can, you know, stay up on the top. There's no way that we can stay there without improving. The, the fact of the matter is that everybody's going to be gunning for us next year. We're the number one hauler that gets parked in the garage. And we want to stay there for as long as possible, right? So, um, yeah, we've got to step it up. We've just got to keep improving. So, I don't know. I'm still focused on next year. My crew chief is. Then my hauler driver said, man, I don't feel any effort now that I want a championship. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm like, that's a good thing. We all are. We, you know, don't lose that. I mean, the fact that we got it and we're not happy enough with it, we want more. Keep that. It's good. We need to let that fire burn. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Now, before I let you go, this is your first time I'm stacking pennies. So we do some would you rathers. We're going to do a little bit of a championship edition. Would you rather? And I'm going to tack on our, our per usual question. So are you ready? I got you. Okay. We all witnessed this post-race presser. We have heard how much you admire your friend, Bud, Mr. <laughs> Bud Light. But you also just mentioned you're a bourbon guy. So what is your celebratory beverage of choice? Now, be specific, because I know you're a bourbon guy. I'm a bourbon guy myself. I appreciate a good bourbon. What are you going with? Man, I don't, I don't discriminate. I drink them all. I love champagne. I love beer. <laughs> I love bourbon. And I really like tequila. I really don't discriminate. Tequila shots are awesome. I love some Patron. Bourbon, Blanton's, Duke, Eagle Rare. And uh, I really started getting into Knob Creek lately. So I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but. No, I got all those. I'm a big, okay. I'm a big bourbon guy. We'll try a little whistle pig. I know they're out of Vermont, not so much Kentucky. The water's a little different up there. Not too bad either. Hang on. Caveat, tequila shots, room temp or chilled? Uh, I prefer chilled, but room temp doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I, don't, I don't disagree with that either. It's been a long time. I got kids now. I don't really take a lot of <laughs> shots anymore. So those are those are all the back <laughs> quite a bit. All right. Hey, number number two. If Duke Thorson had a 757 on the tarmac, gassed up, ready to take all of your friends and family who you want to take on vacation with no budget, where are you going? Oof. Summertime or wintertime? I, it's your championship, man. Pick this. Right. <laughs> I love it. I had to get specific. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably go to maybe the Maldives. Yeah. We'll go there. Have you been there before? Like, I feel like that was very specific. No, never. I just love tropical spots. <laughs> that sounds fun. Hopefully, I get, if, like, you got, you know, an extra seat on the plane, just hit me up. I'd like to like to stop by. You, you look fun. You could come. Oh, man. I would – we let the kid at home, and we would have them tequila shots running. So, no, <laughs> Don't forget we, my buddy Bud, okay? It's my good friend. <laughs> we'll have some BLs. I, even though I'm not a Bud Light guy, we'll let the other people drink it. Number three, if you had to pick – one race car and one racetrack to race that for the rest of your life. Where are you going and what are you driving? Ooh, this is off the wall, but this is really off the wall. This isn't what you'd expect. Um, I would probably do – I would need a teleporter because I'd need to teleport from Kentucky to Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. And I would probably run some sort of, um, some sort of sports car. What's wrong with flying? Well, I mean, I don't want to move from Kentucky and flying takes a really long time. So, oh, I see your you know. point right there. Every, okay, I see yeah. your point. I, 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 if I'm racing there every weekend, you know, I'm not moving. I'm not moving to Canada. I like, I'm really happy with Kentucky. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> what are you driving at Canadian Tire? Probably, uh, probably some sort of sports car. I, so, I look, here's the deal. I had so much fun when we ran GT4s there. 
that it was, it was probably the most fun I ever had in a race car. I started third, we made it to the lead. And before I know it, I'm passing Audis and these different, (laughs) these different cars that I've never even been around before. And uh, I don't know, it was just a mind blower. I had a lot of fun doing it. We led a good portion of the race and I like that team, that teammate, you know, spirit where you're trading out. It's just neat. It was a different type of racing that I have very little experience in that I'd like to do more often. GT4 is a Porsche, right? Uh, just it's a class, so you could be running. You could be running the Toyota Super GT4. You could run an Audi, a McLaren. They got all different types. Yeah, heard that. All right, buddy. Last question here. If you could give one piece of advice to a eight-year-old kid trying to make it as a race car driver, what do you tell him? I would tell them to try to enjoy the journey more. The journey is very important and the grind is very important. So make sure that you're enjoying it and that it's fun because if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to put as much effort into it or you're going to start doubting yourself and you're going to start losing that confidence. And the journey is more important than the end, I feel like, in a lot of ways. So sit back, realize that you're in a good spot and to try to um, think of the little things and not so much the big goal all the time. Love that. Love that. Because when, when people ask me that question, a lot of times I'll tell them just to stop now before you really get into it. But if I'm really serious, I'm not trying to make a joke. I'll, I'll tell them like the days where it sucks the worst, right? Like a sponsor deal doesn't come through, you crash, you doesn't go your way that you saw it. Like when you feel like it's the worst day ever, you're going to look back and say, those were the good old days. Like the good old days when my high school buddies and I were working till midnight, one o'clock on the late model. And then we'd go to school and we come work at dad's seat shop, welding seats and then work it all, do it all over again. Like those, when you're making no money, you're eating pizza and drinking Bud Lights when you're 16 and whatever's left over out of date, out of dad's fridge. Those days in the moment sucked. Like they were fun, right? You're hanging out with your buddies, but you're not making money. You're not feel like you're getting anywhere with your career. And I look back And those are the good old days. And I'm going to look back one day and these are the good old days right now. And you, sir, are in the good old days because you were the 2021 Camden World Truck Series champion. So Ben Rhodes, thank you for jumping on Stack and Pennies for kicking off our championship edition. Live it up, buddy. You deserve it. And uh, have a couple tequila shots and maybe some bourbon on the way out. Yeah, appreciate it, Corey. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Good stuff. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, and there you have it from our Truck Series champion. Cool to chat with him. I'm also super pumped up to talk to a good buddy of mine, Daniel Hemrick. Now, Daniel's been a buddy of mine since we literally grew up probably four or five minutes down the, down the road from each other in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Kannapolis, boy. Uh, we raced bandoleros. We've raced late miles together. So, man, I, I was at a sponsor deal on Saturday night, so I wasn't able to be at the racetrack, and I had my – NBC app up watching the race, standing up at dinner, cheering my head off, dude. I, I don't know if I would be be any more pumped up for a champion than how Daniel did it on Saturday night than how he was, especially with like winning his first one. Because this all the story is this: the story is Daniel's finished second. I don't know forty eight thousand times and hasn't won. What a better spot to win your first one there at Phoenix and punch your ticket for the championship and also beat the 22 car and pit road analyst boats woes himself as he's sitting on pit road crying in the breast milk. Hey, you mad, bro? Conflict of interest for you here. Uh, We did win the owner's championship, which stinks because I was sitting there wrapping the banner up and I'm like, oh, we won the owner's championship. That kind of sucks that you still have to celebrate somehow. That's weird. But, uh, Dude, Daniel Hamrick, I've been a, I was a teammate of his in Legend Cars, raced against him. You know, we've been around him forever. So if there's anybody that you're going to lose to, it's definitely him. I, I'm, you know, excited for him and Kenzie and their whole family. They've done it the hard way and, and gotten there. But um, yeah, I was, the thing that I was most frustrated about um, was that like the 16 car spun out by himself on purpose, right? They had a loose wheel, they had pit road woe. And, uh, I was excited that we got to do a final pit stop there. You, when it comes down to it, that's what you want to do. When you sign up to be a picker guy, you want a shot to win a championship on the final pit stop, right? Whether you're leading or, you know, you want the, you want the ball. So it was cool to do that, but I was bummed that it was the second year in a row in the Xfinity series that somebody intentionally spun out to bring out the caution because they weren't going to win the championship. And the 16 car, I feel like has been a little bit classless like that all year, you know, and um, was a little bit bummed to see them do that. And uh, I think that's kind of Bush League, but we're racing in the Bush Series, so it is what it is. The late Bush Series. Some pointed words about Colin Grayson there from uh, Ryan Flores Merriman or Chuck. What do you have to What do you have to say? Backflips are awesome. Backflips are awesome. I want to add this. Um, you know, our, our friend uh, Mamba Smith, who is you know helping out with some stuff on NASCAR.com, was with us at the track, and he was in our production truck when. Uh, Hemrick uh, basically shipped Cendric for the ship and lost his shit, uh, if you will, in the truck. Like, I thought we were going to have people in the compound, like, looking out, like, asking us if we were okay with the amount of yelling that was going on. Um, but, you know, it's cool to see Hemrick get that win and that be his first win. But I want to ask this question because Mamba actually brought it up that where Hemrick made the move to get the win is the spot where when they reconfigured the track, that's where everybody kind of thought that that action would happen, but it really hasn't happened. And that might've been the first time that someone made that move there to get to the start finish line, to get the win. And uh, just kind of wanted to get y'all's reaction to that. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I think there was multiple factors. It wasn't like, Hey, we think we're going to get that pass more often in turn, what would be used to be one, now three. So let's shift the entire layout of the racetrack to the other side. I don't think it was that so much as it made logistic sense with all the parking and camping on that side. It also helps out 
all the fans' backs are to the sun when the sun's setting, so you're not getting sunburned. So they definitely thought about that, forward thinkers. Now, it also helps that there is a heavy breaking zone into that corner, which gets you a little bit of that disparity in speed. You can kind of bury it in there a little bit and get a little bit harder than breaks. You can kind of float it in there, as we saw me get banged up with Ricky Stenhouse, not once but twice, and myself and Bubba were the two guys holding the short straws at the end of those transactions. But yeah, that corner is tough. The entry to it's tough. I think that uh, Austin would probably do it a slightly different, you know, hindsight's always 20, 20, he probably could have done something a little bit different to prohibit the 18 to get to his left rear, but you can't execute a better bump and run than what Daniel Hemrick did. I mean, it wasn't chipped. It wasn't dumped. He rubbed you and rubbing son Merriman is racing. Yeah, no, I thought it was a good move. And I thought the, uh, you know, obviously Flores, we've hit on it. It's not going to, not going to agree, but like the way that the 22 car looked at the end of the race and the way the 18 car looked at the end of that race. I mean, those two guys went out there and it was a slug fest and look, Hemrick's lost him every single way that, that you can lose him. He's, he's lost them that way. And so for him to go out there and earn it and to, you know, that's old school style, right? That's NASCAR, uh, bumping and banging. And, and as Daryl Waltrip used to say, eight tires are a heck of a lot better than four. Well, Hemrick used eight, and now he's champion. Yeah, coming from hey, coming from someone that's on the team, I don't think Daniel Hemrick did anything wrong, right? There was nothing dirty there. That was just racing. He got his, you know, he got his quarter panel and, and used it. So I, I don't think there's anybody. You know, I think we're disappointed that we didn't win. I don't think there's anybody that faults Daniel Hemrick on our team at all. And I think everybody knows uh, where he's come from, what he's done to get there. And uh, yeah, I think everybody's just excited for him, bummed for ourselves, but excited for him. And that's also great for the sport as a whole, because he's changing teams. Announced he's going to call Grayson to drive the, uh, the 11 car next year with Justin Haley going to the cup car. So there's a lot of storylines that this makes and continues energy for the sport into next year. And Daniel's path has been a little bit, you know, unique with how about that stat, Chuck, about the last four Xfinity Series champions that have all driven for Brad's truck team in Tyler Reddick, Chase Briscoe, I believe. No, Austin Sendrick. Yeah, Austin Sendrick. Tyler Reddick won two. Oh, that's right. In a row. That's right. Austin Sendrick. Yeah. And I mean, don't, hey, let's, let's give a tip of the cap to Chase Briscoe, too, won nine races last year. So if he didn't win the championship, we'd give him a a re- uh, honorable recognition as well. Uh, so BKR truck team pumping out some, uh, some drivers, Ryan Blaney, let's get a little tap to him as well. So man, that was the, I mean, that was a thrilling finish. Now every finish isn't going to be like that, but if we can get one weekend like that, then money's worth on the ticket. Uh, so let's not wait any longer. Let's get all hot shoe hammer here in the show. Stick around after the break. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, guys. It's not often you get to interview one of your good buddies, especially one that you're so damn excited for. Because when I was watching that Xfinity Series race, I was at a sponsor at GameSpit. Didn't get to see it live, but I was watching it on my Peacock app. And I was up, standing up and down, cheering, fist bumping in the middle of a restaurant. People were looking at me like I was crazy. But rightfully so, because Daniel Hemrick, my K-Town buddy from Kannapolis, North Carolina, gets in victory lane for his first career win. First career championship, shutting up the haters. Welcome to the damn show, buddy. Thanks for joining Stacking Pennies. What a damn intro, my man LaJoy. <laughs> Good to see you there, Shoe. Pleasure to be on. I think it's my first Stacking Pennies appearance. It is. Actually, so you got to do big things, right, in order to get here. So uh, I must have done something right on Saturday night. I, I appreciate it, man, for real. It's It's been a whirlwind since, um, hell out, what's it been, 72 hours? And we have enjoyed every single one of them. I can promise you that. So I appreciate you having me on. Man, and, and I don't want to dig too much into like competitive stuff because there's so much emotion wrapped up into being a champion, especially just going through the unconventional route to be a champion that you have. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize where you come from, what you've done, you know, how you've done it, you know, like. Ten, like 10 years ago, you win, was, it's probably a little bit longer than that, you win the Legends Million. That's about right, yeah. Right? You coast into the Charlotte Motor Speedway tunnel in your piece of shit Honda Civic because you can't afford <laughs> to put in it, you know? That's a true story. True, true like, story. People don't know that, man. Like, yep. So condense your career. I know it's tough to do condense your career from the time you roll it coast into the tunnel literally on fumes because you can't afford gas money win a million bucks which you got to keep i believe a third of it and then close enough to where you are as a 2021 xfinity series champion for joe gibbs yeah i'm trying to figure out how to even go about that hell i yeah coasting at night next thing you know they throw the checker flag and we're the guy the very first thought i i, I go right to Corey is uh don hawk sitting up there on stage, presents me at check, leans in my ear, says, man, so proud of you. What, what are you going to do? I looked down. It had been raining for about four days there. You know, not only my car, we had 12 customers' cars. I had to get ready to, to go to the racetrack that whole Legends Million Week. Poured down rain, holes in my shoes, socks were soaking wet, racing shoes, street shoes, no gas in my car like you talked about. I said, Don, so I literally do not have gas or money to get gas to get home. I said, I'm going to take this. I'm going to promise you I'm going to get some gas. I'm going to buy some new shoes. I said, I left there. We, we passed tech. I siphoned the fuel out of my race car in tech and put it straight in my Honda Civic. 
and drove the steak and shake and laid my head down the table and went to bed while everybody else ate dinner because I was used up, used smooth. And little did I know that that particular night, my life had changed. And you know, a lot has went to, to get to this point. But uh, I remember getting a phone call from Bruton shortly after that. He said, come sit down with me. I asked him, what, what do you do with this money? Well, I, I just won the lottery, I feel like. What am I going to do with this money? He said, boy, money ain't going to get you very far. Make sure you enjoy it. I thought, hell, that's not the answer I wanted. Yeah, but right. he ended our meeting with, I'm going to buy you some, I'm going to, we're going to run a modifieds over here on a quarter mile. I'm going to call this team I know up. They're going to put you in the car and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sponsor it for you. That was the first time that I can remember. And it's led to many more of these opportunities where somebody stuck their neck out again for me, right? Everybody's got pinnacles, you know, mm -hmm. peaks of their career that have led to those. And that was one of them, so on and so forth. And there were so many of those moments where, okay, we got some momentum going go and uh, build, start building late models for, for myself or if guys had cars that were, you know, had parts, they weren't together. I put them together and go drive for people. No different yourself, whatever it took to get to the racetrack at the grassroots level. And would you know that as I'm going through the motions there and we're having success and it's all fine and good, but you think that's what you're going to be, right? The short track race the rest of your life. You don't know what tomorrow brings, but you're just going to show up and work and hope you get another phone call or hope you run into somebody that can give you a break. And uh, I was doing just that for a fellow named Will Gallagher, going to test in and kind of shaking the cars down for him. And he goes on the races a, a good bit. We become buddies. I never met his family, had no idea about their situation. Will decides he's done racing, calls his dad up, says, hey, I think I'm done with this. He said, but um, I got this, this dude back, back here in North Carolina that he don't have this much of what we're doing it with. And he's making it happen. Why don't you call him up? At the time, my wife was running, oh, boy. About fell down there. You can't make that up. About, uh, heck, I don't know. I guess it was middle of the summer of 20, 2013, 2014. Will Gallagher's dad called me, Bill Gallagher. Anybody watched the race, heard me reference him there, Victor Lane with Poppy Bank. He says, I'm going to change your life. And I could not believe it. That was, that was that next break I needed, somebody to take a chance. And yet, as much as you want a desire to get to the top three levels in NASCAR, you got to have a guy like that, or in your case, what the t-shirt you're wearing, those people, right? You got to have that some form or fashion to get here. And, and that was, that was my ticket to the, to the top, uh, one of the top three series. So let me stop you right there because even with the ticket, as you so mentioned, and you can do it on your own accord, right? In, in your case, it was bill. In my case, it was a company out of, uh, Southern California youth theory that I was, I rubbed shoulders with when I was crew chief in a Canon West car. So like exactly. you and I have very similar stories. Now a story that pops up to me and like where you were mentally, you go from essentially driving for what's probably your dream ride, driving for Richard Childers, you and Austin Dillon grew up buddies, Yep. right? You win the 2019 rookie of the year, looking for a ride that off season, you know, like yep. even with, the opportunities with the funding, like situations didn't go your way. So you go to juniors and you do kind of like the hodgepodge all -car, yep. car, they call it quote unquote. And I saw, and, and that went atrocious, uh, atrocious. I saw you on the tarmac at Vegas. Remember this? Yeah, I do remember this. Do you probably want to forget it because I don't know if you. I crashed lap five yeah, or something. Yeah. It was early by myself. Yes. You couldn't get no lowest of low. That was low lowest of low. Get. Like I, it was so low. I texted you like the next day, like, Hey man, like, does the phone still work? Like, are you good? Yeah. Make sure I didn't get find any rope or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like I was, 
legitimately worried about you as a friend because you cannot get any lower than you were at that point. Yep. Now you went from that point 16 months ago to holding the Xfinity series trophy less than three days ago. Did you think that that point was possible standing on the tarmac at Vegas a year and a half ago? I can promise you that's a big hell no, <laughs> man. I, you're right. Life unraveling before you 2019 to all the stuff you just brought up to feel like you can't do a single thing. Right. Yet the only thing that kept crossing my mind through those 16 months prior to knowing you're going to be that guy, you know, like I was three or four nights ago was the fact that if you did not show up, it was for sure not going to change and you for sure were not going to get that chance. Right. And I think that's where guys like myself and, and I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly fortunate and thankful to be one of those guys, but myself and you and, and a handful of others, especially our age group, our buddies, right. That grew up doing this, that have withstood the test of those times yet came back faithful that it'll work out the way it's going to work out and right. Don't show up. It's for sure, for sure. Not going to happen. So yeah, I think that's the only thing, you know, with that, my wife, Kenzie, and then the birth of our little girl ran like all that within that 16 month range too, right? Like that was the, that was the nitty grittiest of times I've ever had to go through in my life yet. They were there. The folks I mentioned before to give me the shots were there. Hair standing up my arms as I'm holding this ring up to you. Let's go. Cannot make that up. Cannot make that up. Well, and I'll tell you, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Uh, I mean, you, like, you, I appreciate that, man. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass because I'm sitting here talking to you on the podcast. Like that is for real. And everybody else that'll, that knows you will say the same thing. So before I let you go, I'm going to ask you three questions. Usually they're would you rathers. Uh, and since you haven't been to the All show, right. I'm going to tack on the normal would you rather on top of some championship edition would you rather. I like it. What is, what is your celebratory drink of choice? Oof. Uh, recently into the bourbon side of things. So any fine bourbon. Um, What's your favorite? Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. close. This is an easy go-to. This was a gift last night. Just a little Buffalo Trace, man. Man, it's for the for the money, pound for pound, Buffalo Trace is the best. Pound for pound is the best. Now there's a couple more up there that are a lot more drink from last night, but yes, that's a good go-to. Pound for pound, Buffalo Trace. Now there are more that are very expensive and might be a little bit better, but Buffalo Trace, you find it at JBC Sword, you pick it up, you'll love it. Hundred percent. Number two, if you could choose, like if Joe Gibbs had a 757 on the tarmac, no budget to take everybody that you like to go to a vacation, where are you going? I'm going to Bali. Going to where? Going to Bali. I don't know where that is, uh, but sounds fun. Hope, exactly. Hopefully I get the invite. Number three, I'm going to ask you the standard stack and pennies, would you rather at the end? So, all right, one racetrack, one race car to race out for the rest of your life. What are you, what are you, what are you picking? Ooh. Man, I'm going to be in a super late model at Nashville Fairgrounds, I do believe. I mean, hard-pressed, hard-pressed to find anything better uh, with more fall-off and better fans. I mean, just a hell of a good time. That's the first time we've got that one on the show, so I, I could tend to agree with you. Nashville Fairgrounds is someplace special, especially when you're sitting behind the wheel of a super late model. Last one, I remember – 11-year-old Daniel Hemrick is the guy that drove the Bandolero with none of his panels matching because they all got different colors. If there's a white <laughs> one, he could snag and fiberglass it like he would run a white door, black nose. And like the standard Simpson three-ring fire suit. And a lot of times if you were in the pits, you wouldn't wear you wouldn't wear a shirt and you'd be walking around with a guy with no shirt and a six-pack. I was always jealous of your six-pack. <laughs> what would you today tell that 11-year-old Daniel Hemrick? 
Well, first I'd probably yank him up and say, son, what are you doing? <laughs> a little different time now, but you know, I, I had a lot of stuff happen at that point in my life. You know, you talked about the Dillon brothers, you know, I don't want to drag this out, but the Dillon brothers talking about meeting Austin and Ty and seeing kind of their way of life and spending time with those boys and their parents and RC at that age taught me, Hey, there's a different path here that got me wearing the shirt there at the racetrack that got me to realize the image did matter as much as, you know, as much as we don't like to think about it. And I'd say just, but continue to be internally, that kid would still talk to anybody, would try to do the right thing, you know, never know who's watching. So you try to present yourself that way with your shirt on, obviously. And um, yeah, as, as life progressed, man, I try to continue that and just stay true to that. Stay true to that. Stay true to what, what you have in your heart and what you what you confess to be yourself to show up and and uh, put the work in no matter what. Because if you do that, you, you will be rewarded. And man, how sweet that is. Love that. Round of applause for your 2021 Xfinity Series champion, Hot Shoe, Daniel Hemrick. Thanks for joining the show, buddy. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks for having me on. Love it as always. And there you have it. There's our 2021 Xfinity Series Championships. Let's just get right. Let's get right to the good stuff. The good stuff being pit road boats and woes because that championship was won on pit road when the guy that comes in fourth leaves with control of the restart. Ryan, how did that five team win their drive of the championship? I've been saying this all year. I'm just happy you guys are starting to listen. Really, when you look at that last pit stop and they were able to beat the other three championship contending cars off pit road, it starts on Saturday in qualifying, right? Kyle goes out there, puts it on the pole, gets pit stall one. Without pit stall one, they are not beating the 11 off pit road. They had the fastest stop of the year for them. They did what I believe by the like the numbers that we get it's there, there's a lot of different deals that time tv time is one thing and nascar's time is another but when you look at kind of the way that the guys pitting the cars time it looked like the five car had an, about an 11.5 and the 11 car had about an 11.8 with an 11.5 when you're within tenths like that it's hard to pass but when you have good rolling time you have a great pit stall that is what makes the difference they had the best pit stop of the year there's nothing to take away from that but without pit stall one they don't do that kyle goes out there has a hell of a restart leaves denny sitting there and they go win the race but uh but what an execution i know there's been a lot of talk about the stop before that saying you know the five team lost spots the stop before that what they did on the stop before the last stop is they did a double adjustment right cliff daniels was getting it out of the way he did a right side and left side adjustment, which is the most challenging pit stop we do with a five-man pit crew. It's really a four-man pit crew because the gas man can't do anything but gas. So to be able to even maintain, you know, send him out a spot. I think he lost one or two spots. To send him out a spot from where he came in at with the car adjusted the right way. And then their last stop, RJ, their, their tire carrier, does another rifle, which is – we call him a rifle. It's a right side adjustment. He did a half round. So they didn't even have their – easiest stop they had to do and they were able to knock it out of the park so they, those guys all have really interesting stories we'll get to them uh eventually but it made for a hell of a day and a, and a hell of an ending absolutely it, it certainly did because there was a time where the five car looked dominant and there was the time where the five car looked like the fourth best championship contender so i loved over the course of the day it seemed like there was a lot of ebb and flow with the gibbs cars kind of hedging their bet for the long run speed 
Hendrick Carr seemed to have a little more short run fire off speed. And I kind of liked it too, that we didn't see somebody lose the championship from something on pit road, you know, a loose wheel, pit road speed and penalty. But I do like the fact that that, that five team gave their driver a, a chance to, to tighten the belts and get after it with 25 to go. Yeah, I feel like the 19 team does feel like they lost it on pit road. Like last year with us with the two car, we didn't have a, a mistake that brought him back down. We just were slow. And, you know, the 19 car, when all the all the chips are on the table, it's the last stop of the year. That's what you prepare yourself for. You know, they, they drop like a 12-8. And when you're going against, you know, an 11-5, an 11-8, it's just not going to do it. So, and it's just small stuff. You know, that's a, that's a second and it's huge. So I, I feel like they do feel like they lost it on pit road. But um, that's just how it goes, man. Sometimes it'd be like that. Is it poetic justice that the last five lug nut pit stop of all time is a difference between somebody winning a championship or not? Uh, no, it's not, you know, and, and it's going to continue to next year. I, I think um, there's a lot of people that were a little bit sentimental about five lug nuts. The last five lug nut pit stop was won by the five car. I don't, I, Hey, <laughs> the signs, the signs, you know, uh, but, um, but yeah, you know, they can be sentimental all they want, but it's over. I, I put up Instagram post, glued my last lug nut through the glue. I'm done on the one lug nut. We're moving on. So um, looks like the nine car had a great day yesterday on pit road, and they're going to probably squeak out the mechanics wear award. So the Hendrick guys just really, really laying the gauntlet. And, and they've been solid all the year. Look, man, there's been a lot of games played on pit road this year. And, and uh, I'll just put it out there. The Gibbs, the Gibbs guys are the best at that. They are the ones that, you know, walk the gray area on pit road the best, but you can't fudge that last stop. You can't, you know, you can't cut lug nuts. You can't hit four. You can't hit three. You can't do any of that stuff. It's five and five, get it right. We're getting checked at the end of this race. And the five guys, you know, Cliff has kept them, Cliff has kept them guys honest all year. And, uh, and they're just a, they're, they're a blue collar team that, um, you know, don't try to be a bunch of superstars. They get the job done and they have uh, delivered, you know, race in race out all year. Now, with the going along one lug nut, the choreography is going to be still similar. It's going to look the same of what we have now. Will there be less shenanigans since there's only one way to get that tire on and off? You can't shave threads out of your lug nuts. You can't hit three out of the five. Like, I think it's kind of self-explanatory. You got to hit this and torque that sucker to a thousand pounds or it's going to fall off. Yeah, it should be. It should be pretty self-explanatory. Um, there should be a lot less, you know, of the games being played, but Hey, if someone finds an edge, everybody's going to be doing it. And, and with the way the rules are written, NASCAR is able to keep, you know, keep their hand on it quite a bit stronger than what they could now. But yeah, and the off season is going to look a lot different for all of us. I know us personally, we get a week off and go right back to it where in the years past, you know, we'd, we'd be done with Phoenix and I wouldn't see the, the practice facility till January. So you and I have started, you know, we've been doing a lot of stuff, different stuff, training. I've started training with you to get ready for that. And uh, I'm excited for the change, and I'm, I'm ready to go. So I hope uh, all the fans are too. We're ready to go and get into the cup race breakdown here and talk to our Cup Series champion himself, friend of the show, Kyle Larson. So stand by. We'll break down this Cup Series race and talk to the man himself. I don't want to keep you all waiting any longer. Let's just get right in to the main course. The old Cup Series champion. Now, Janie, do you have the audio readily available to 
to run the ice cold take of the week? Of course I do. I will play that for you right now. Something tells me Chase is is going to get it done and he's going to win two titles. I didn't say when. It could be next year. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's a date stamp on that? Yeah, the the, date stamp. No, that's an expired date stamp because there was only one guy that was poised to win the 2021 Cup Series championship, and that is the guy who I've been hammering since last September in Kyle Larson. Now, it was not easy. It was not an easy day. It looked like the 19 car, the strongest run, and the 11 got a little bit. He got a little bit froggy there about three quarters of the way through the race, but can't deny it. Can't deny greatness. Ten wins in the all-star race in the big championship. Chuck, what did you take away from our uh, Cup Series championship? Take away that I uh, I made a split decision and with the 11 and the 5. I'm going to pick last week, so I kind of called the 5, but it was it's, it's cool to see someone get – double-digit wins in my opinion anytime it happens in a season it's a rare thing to happen and for someone like Kyle Larson you know the past year and a half has been a lot and you could see that emotion when he was pulling into victory lane and when he was getting out of the car like he knows how much that win meant to not just him but just like to that organization I mean the five car right that's uh I think Mr. Hendrick got his first win with the five car. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the paint scheme itself is is reminiscent of um, Ricky Hendrick's paint scheme. It's just, it it was cool to see all of that. And, you know, we interviewed them on the front stretch after the race. And Cliff Daniels, man, like, I'm, I'm glad he got that win because you know he's been with some champions he's he's learned a lot and he you know with the jimmy stuff at the end of jimmy's career is like well maybe this could be the thing that gets him together and you could see that cliff knows what he's doing and he gets that first season together with kyle and boom it's championship season like i think we're setting up for the resurgence if we already haven't seen it of hendrick motorsports back to being that powerhouse you know there was a time we were like uh, maybe they're not going to be that again. But I think they've moved the pieces in the right places, and we're beginning to see it. That's two championships in a row for the team. And, you know, they're pretty tough and pretty strong. Can I just say you guys give me a hard time for making ice-cold picks, but Chuck literally came on. He was like, yeah, I told you guys it was going to be the 1911, the 5, uh, or the 9, and, and you know, I was kind of right. <laughs> So. I just feel bad that that we do jackpot races with you because we'd probably cost these people a lot of money. That's true. We've saved the people paying out money though, so you have to think about it that way. I'm just giving you all the different options that you could take. You know, you gotta you gotta look at every every angle or every angle. Chuck the buffet. You know, just fill up with a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So back to what Chuck was talking about. You know, Hendrick made big strides this year, right? They they were off last year. They ended up winning the championship, peaking at the right time, and then obviously figured out a lot this year and maybe had the had the number one driver, the oval track racer in the world. Um, two two takeaways. One, to touch on what Chuck was saying. I, I would think that they'd have good momentum, but it's a whole new world that we're stepping into starting today, right? Everything's out the everything's out the door. Those cars get thrown out. Uh, and, and it's a whole new learning curve from top to bottom. It's the biggest takeaway that I take uh, from Kyle Larson winning this championship is I feel like as a sport, we have struggled to bridge the gap from short track stuff to cup stuff. I think, you know, 
guys going around in the snowball derby doing stuff like that is one thing, but Kyle Larson literally ran as many short track races in the last two years as anybody has maybe in their career and not just um, going to the Knoxville nationals and King Royal. He's at dirt tracks with the, you know, for lack of a better term, little shithole dirt tracks with midgets and late models doing, doing stuff for if it's the cash roll races at 411 or wherever he is, he's, uh, he's really bridging that gap. And when we went to Volusia this year, Logano, Logano brought it up pretty well. He said, you know, I got introduced. I'm a cup champion and nobody even, nobody even booed me or cheered. They didn't even care that I was here. And hopefully that brings some of that fan base back to, uh, to what we, what we have. That's a great point. Listen to the ridiculous stats of Kyle Larson's just 2021 season behind the wheel. 89 races, 30 wins. So he's won more than 30% of the races he started. 11 total NASCAR victories, obviously counting the all-star race. 11 sprint car wins. Most of those are World of Outlaws. Four late model wins on dirt, which isn't like going to your Saturday night late model race. I mean, it is racing the best of the best guys who make an actual living racing dirt late models. Four midget wins. One being the Chili Bowl, biggest mid. I mean, there's like 9,000 cards that go down there. The Knoxville Nationals is one of those sprint car wins. The Kings Royal, the Fairbury race is the biggest early mile race. I think it's 50 grand to win. And NASCAR Cup Series champion, championship. Tony Stewart on his peak season behind the wheel doesn't have a quarter of those stats. That could go down in the all-time greatest years behind the wheel for a driver ever. Like in the Mario Andretti. In the AJ Foyt, in the Tony Stewart, Richard Petty, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, like that is one of the best, most accomplished seasons ever, ever. Yeah, and and when you get him on Corey, I'd be interested to know. Uh, I was there when he won his first Chili Bowl, and he ruffled a lot of feathers when he said it was the biggest win of his career. It'd be bigger than winning the Daytona 500. I don't know if he went as far as to say is is bigger than winning a cup series championship because that's that's the race that he grew up trying to win never being able to get it done the end car of that of of that race yesterday you know obviously you can see a lot at the chili bowl you can see reaction you can see him climb out kyle larson to me outwardly looked about 10 times more emotional winning the championship than he did the chili bowl so when you get him on Ask him about that because I, I really want to know now that he's done it, now that he's accomplished, where where does everything kind of weigh out to Kyle Larson, a guy that grew up, you know, dirt racing and now is a cup champ? Yeah, you know, you look at the Chili Bowl and you look at Knoxville Nationals, you look at stuff like that. Those are great events. Those are those are huge events, right? But the Chili Bowl, you really go in there and you have to have a good prelim night and um and a good feature, right? It's 40 laps. So you're there for a week. You race two nights. Very, very hard race to win. You look at the the span of the cup season and all the stuff that you have to do just to make it to the final four. And then once you make it to the final four, all the stuff that happens in that race, you know, leading up to that, um, it, it, the, the range of emotion is so much higher. And I, the Chili Bowl's great. The Knoxville Nationals are great. Those are big races. Those are hard races to win. But people don't understand, I feel like, if they haven't done it, just how hard it is to win a race at the Cup Series, 
let alone 11 races this year, including the all-star race and the championship, there's really, I don't think there's anything to compare. Well, there's not. I mean, you, you can look at just the move. I mean, how hard was it for Kyle Larson to win regularly or consistently, you know, before 2020? Uh, you know, he won six races for Chip Ganassi. He changes teams and goes to Hendrick Motorsports and, and, uh, and wins 10, 11 races in the season and has one of the most historic races of all, uh, one of the historic seasons of all time. But before, let's talk about some hypotheticals because I always know we like talking about hypotheticals before we welcome in our uh, 2021 champion. I was thinking about this, you know, with uh, with his post-race presser, Mr. H uh, obviously said, I would love for him to retire with us. Tony Stewart tweets and says, congrats to the best race car driver I've ever seen. Coming out of Tony Stewart's mouth, that is the highest of the highest honors you can be awarded. Uh, so I was thinking... Who, how many, by the time Kyle Larson's NASCAR career is over, how many Bill France cups is sitting in his trophy mantle? Ryan. Oh man. I don't want to, I don't see, I feel like if I record this, you're going to come back and Daryl mop me on this, but um, man, I, I would say oh, three and a half. Would you pick nine and a half wins this year? I'm going three and a half over the over there. So, uh, so yeah, I, man, I just don't know what this new car holds, um, but I know that Kyle's going to be around a long time with a strong team. And even if, you know, you look at Hendrick Motorsports, people counted them down and out the last couple of years, and you're never going to hold an organization like that with that many good people down for long. So even if they go through rough, rough patches like they will, those guys are going to win championships for the next decade. I think four. I think he ties Jeff Gordon, boss man, with four championships. Because it's different than it was when Jimmy was racing for championships. Jimmy won, correct me if I'm wrong, five out of the seven were the playoff long. A couple of them were the old school point system, but only one or two were the win the last race and you win the championship scenario. So it is more of a crapshoot to you, quote unquote, to use Bill Elliott's word. Now with the championship, I think it's just a incredible feat to be one of the top four racing for a championship as it is to win. Chuck, what do you got? I know you're. I, th- I think it. I, well, I think it was uh, the last time a championship driver didn't win a race was Denny Hamlin when he won, and then Jimmy won his sixth, and then ever since then the right. champion has won the race. So Jimmy Johnson was 50-50 okay. on that. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anybody winning seven championships. Realistically, I'm with you on the four. I think he could potentially get five and be one ahead of Gordon. But the question that I was going to ask is, given his age and given his you know potential longevity in the sport, could he be the driver that reaches that magical number beyond seven? Like if they hit the ground running with the next-gen car off the bat and they're fire. I mean, I will say this. If anybody can get more than seven, there is nobody I'm putting my money on besides Kyle Larson. Merriman made a face. Who are you putting your money on to get more than seven championships? Uh, nobody's touching it. I mean, nobody's doing it. I, I agree with that. But if I was had to bet on anybody, you would be dumb to not put all of your chips. If you had to put them, if you had to put your chips on the table, you would be dumb to put them not all on Kyle Larson and Henry Motorsport. I mean, I think it's either Kyle Larson or Kyle Busch, right? Depending on what happens with Kyle the next couple of years. He's got a leg up. He's already got two. Kyle's only got one. He's only got five more to win. 
Is that a is that like a broken leg joke? Because he broke his leg, Daytona. He got a leg up. He got a leg up. Bionic leg. All right, I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> well, let's not keep guessing about how many championships Kyle Larson is going to win his career. Let's just ask the guy for himself. Stick around after the break, and we'll ask the 2021 Cup Series champion himself, Kyle Larson. All right, guys, we are back, and this is the one you've all been waiting for. Now, I've been calling it since about July, but you guys finally realized who the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series champion has been on the show before, but welcome back, champion Kyle Larson. How are you? Uh, not as good as you. Not as good as you, my friend, because you, sir, have the big trophy. How's it feel? It's uh... – it, it felt a little painful yesterday, uh, a little bit, but uh, no, it's um, it's it's definitely a cool cool deal. I mean, I never really thought that I would be a Cup Series champion, so in a way, it doesn't seem real yet. And just trying to enjoy it all. You know, it's been a long morning. I was up at four forty-five, and uh, just trying to appreciate the moment and appreciate every single one of these interviews I've had to do and every picture I've taken. So definitely been a neat experience. Well, man, I'm, I'm so pumped up for you and the family because you certainly deserved it after 10 wins total in the year, plus the all-star race and ultimately the last race of the year, you punched your ticket. But man, you've been, you've had a 2021 for the ages with your sprint car stuff, your dirt late mile stuff. And obviously your cup year has been uh, for the record books as well. But I was wondering how did the pre-race lead up pressure compared to the Knoxville Nationals, to the Chili Bowl, to Fairbury, the places that you've won, did it stack up evenly or more or less? How'd you feel going in there? So I was honestly surprised, like, throughout the week. You know, I thought, like, okay, once Monday hits, I'm going to start feeling all this pressure because I didn't feel any bit of extra nerves or anything. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't feel anything until probably, like, two hours before the race started, and it's like it all hit me. I mean, I just kept, like, looking at what time it was. Like, I just wanted to get going, and uh, getting nervous, you know, butterflies and stuff. And then, uh, you know, once we got out there and did the driver intros riding along in the truck, that's like when it really hit me about how big of a moment, big of a opportunity this is the crowd cheering. Like it, it honestly like brought me to tears, you know, driving in the, in the back of the truck just because it was just something that I've never experienced. You know, it, it was, I would say it was, you know, similar to Knoxville, but even like more pressure, uh, just, you know, louder, the crowd was louder and it was cool. I was ready to go and, and just appreciative of the opportunity, no matter win, lose, whatever. I was just thankful to have an opportunity to race on a stage like that. I wanted to bring it back to the emotional aspect because you said the, a comment a couple of years ago about winning the Chili Bowl and getting that golden driller was almost more important to you than a Daytona 500. Now, you haven't won a Daytona 500 yet, it's going to be in the cards, but you've won the big trophy. You've won 10, 10 cup races in one season. Now that you won two golden drillers, how are you feeling about your NASCAR championship as a whole? I mean, I think, I think that win on Sunday, it's, it's, I think I've won others now that to me are bigger than the chili bowl. Um, for sure. You know, Knoxville, Knoxville, just the, the money itself makes it way bigger than, than the chili bowl. But that race to me is, was big. I would say Knoxville Nationals and that win on Sunday are, are my two biggest wins I've ever had in my career. Maybe will ever have my career, you know, personally, just kind of deal, you're fighting through those nervous emotions, the atmosphere of the races, the meaning of them, 
winning a cup series championship. You know, that that's crazy. And, and I just didn't ever think that I could do it. So yes, the, these, those two races are, I, I'd, I'd put those above anything. At what point in time did you not think that you could win a cup series championship? Was it three years ago? Was it 10 years ago when you were 18 years old? Like at what point in time did you think that you weren't capable as a race car driver, maybe not going to be in position to win a cup series championship. Yeah. I, so I just, I feel like me, I always, I've never thought about like championships. I've always, you know, wanted to win races and I, you know, I just didn't buy them. I didn't picture myself as a points racer or you know, somebody that would, you know, and, and having bad luck and stuff like I had early in my career, like, you know, I'm sure if I ever got an opportunity to race for a championship, everything would go wrong where I wouldn't win it. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. It, it never, like, I answered the media center the other day. I think they I said something like, you know, this must be something you dreamt about forever. And I was like, honestly, like, and don't take this the wrong way, but I haven't because it just seems so far out from what's real to me that, you know, I, it's not something I dreamt about. But uh, I, I'm glad that I can call myself a Cup Series champion for the rest of my life. And, um, you know, I can, I can sleep a, a happy man. Well, I think by the end of your career, they're going to be calling you a little bit more than just a Cup Series champion. But you can settle a little, little debate we had going on right before you jumped on. We were trying to debate how many Cup Series championships you're going to end your career with. My guess is four. Now that it's tangible, now that you got a spot in your house for the trophy, now that you know what it feels like, how many do you want to get? How many do you think you're capable of getting? Uh, I would love to win at least one more. I don't think I would ever get to seven uh, the way or more than seven, just the way that the format is now. Um, I, I feel like that's close to impossible for anybody to, to do, but I'm glad I was able to get my first in my twenties. I would hope that I could at least win one more. Now, if I got to four, that'd be, that'd be awesome, but it's so tough. Like just to win, I mean, win one championship is tough, especially in, I feel like in today's format, you know, I was thinking about that during the race. Like, I was like, man, I, before this year, I was like, this format is so cool. It is you know, it's like storylines, this and that, like as a fan, this is awesome. And then now that like you live through having the fastest car all year and then you're running fourth with 30 to go behind those guys, you're like, God, this format sucks. Like, <laughs> I'm going to finish fourth in points. Like, this is crazy, but no, it's uh, yeah. I don't know how I, I would like to win one more and hopefully exceed that. You just added a question. So you said you're running four with 30 to go, right? You're sitting there thinking like, dang, I'm going to win 10, nine races and the also race and run fourth in points. Like that kind of blows. But then it happened. You come down pit road for the money stop and that five team led by Cliff Daniels gets you off pit road right there. I mean, like inches in front of the 11 car sets you up to be the controller of that restart. What's going through your head seeing that you beat all the other three guys off pit road? Yeah, well, I mean, even before that, like we all knew it was the last pit stop of the race. So I'm trying to do my part the best that I can. I'm like up the nines, but down, you know, coming to pit road all the way down as, as long as I could, you know, hit my lights as best that I could in the corner, get to my sign as quick as I could. And then once you stop, you're like, all right, guys, this is nail, nail a stop right here. And I could tell as soon as they got down with the rights, ran to the left, I was like, okay, that felt fast. And then the lefts was like no time at all. I could tell that, you know, I'm, it was going to be close. I'm spinning my tires bad. And once, once they said I was a leader, I was like, all right, this is game on now. Like great job guys. 
we can we can win this for sure. I think I can hold off Martin or Denny on this short run here. And so yeah, without uh, without the the guys on our pit crew and that stop, and we would not be champions. So uh, it was such a huge team effort too. That whole race, like our car was not capable of winning early on. Cliff and everybody made some good changes to it. And then yeah, the pit crew there, that final final stop was unbelievable. So that to me, I told Cliff this. I was like, man, that made that made that race in this championship feel even better because our whole team had to execute that race. You know, it's not like we had the dominant car and you know, just let every lap and you know, had average pit stops and still won. Like we all had to do our parts to win. Absolutely. But you guys ultimately were the ones holding the championship trophy. Now, after the race. Miss Rach had some really cool comments about wanting you to retire there. Some other things, just complimenting on your abilities behind the wheel and, and all out, also outside the car. But what do you think it meant to Rick to get that five car with Ricky's tribute paint scheme in victory lane, holding championship trophy? Yeah. It, you know, this year has been really cool uh, on so many different levels, but you're getting that first win uh, at Vegas with the number five and with his paint scheme, I knew meant a lot to him winning at Kansas a few weeks ago, 17 years to date from that you know, horrible accident in the same number, same paint scheme, and then to win a championship with that paint scheme. I, I know it's a special year for him on so many levels to see that car run up front, but to, to me and, and Cliff and everybody who was a part of the team to get, you know, have success for him and Linda makes us all feel really good. And I hope it's just the beginning of our, you know, kind of historic era with that number. Well, I'm not going to lie. Trying to compete against y'all is not going to be an easy task, no matter who it is. If the five team is together for a long period of time, might as well be up against Chad and Jimmy in their prime because you and Cliff are certainly a team you reckon with for the next decade. I'm going to ask you one more question because the backdrop behind you is very distracting. It is the LA Coliseum. You're doing some cool media stuff for NASCAR out there, pushing the Bush clash, the Bush light clash here. I don't even know how many days it is, but it'll be here before we know it. What was your initial thoughts about us going to be racing around in that little football stadium my initial thoughts was that it's going to be really cool and then now that i'm here like it's going to be badass it's got like a bowman gray feel to it times 10 especially if they can you know, pack this place and just so like when i walked in here today at like 5 15 in the morning it was still dark outside but the lights were on and all that so like it really gave me that that feel of getting excited so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of work on NASCAR's part, you know, building the track and everything, but it's going to look awesome when it's done. West Coast has a lot of great NASCAR fans too, so I believe this place will be sold out, and it's going to be a heck of an event. Well, I haven't got the chance to race wheel-to-wheel -wheel with you in about eight years, but I had got the chance to race with you at Bowman Gray Stadium, so hopefully we can rub fenders here at the end of January, early February there in the LA Coliseum. But before we leave, three would-you-rathers. Are you ready? Yep. Actually, they're not really rather. They're just kind of like questions you want to answer. <laughs> Number one, what is your celebratory beverage of choice? Uh, Captain and Diet Coke. Okay. Good answer. It's very healthy. <laughs> little rum, diet, low calories. Gotta <laughs> love it. If you could choose no budget, right? If there's Rick's got his, you know, if he's got a 757 sitting on the tarmac and you get to load up everybody that you like to go to vacation, where are you going? Kaylin, you could answer this question. She's she's sitting off camera. This is more a question for her. I'm going wherever Caitlin wants to go. That's my answer. She said somewhere with sand. 
in warm weather. There's plenty of places like that. Bring all your friends out, have a ball. Uh, last question. If you can give one piece of advice to a seven-year-old kiddo trying to be in your position right now, what do you give them? Man, I, so I feel like the advice that my parents gave to me and, and kind of the way they led me through racing was just to have fun. You know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Enjoy it. Uh, even through the, through the bad races, go out there and have fun. Because if you're not having fun, there's no reason to do it. So um, I would say, yes, just enjoy it, have fun, and uh, go win lots of races. Well, you, that's, what I tell, that's what I tell people all the time. Let's go out in here and have fun. But problem is the only way you have fun is if you go win. And you, Kyle Larson, are having a lot of fun, my friends. So thank you for jumping on Stacking Pennies. Yep. Hey, thank you. And I got to ask, man, was your team, like, punishing you the other day? Why, why did they keep – Oh, my God. I wish I had just backed that thing in the fence and just, like, <laughs> put it in the, you know, old yellow. Your car was destroyed. I'd see, I was behind you. And it'd be oh, like, my God. I don't think I turned left one time. No. Uh, not fun. Now, somewhat self-inflicted, right? So maybe it was like punishment. <laughs> like, you go out there and you ride around and think about what – You talked to Bubba yet? Well, funny story. And I was going to talk about this later in the show, but I'm glad you asked. So at first, I was like, oh, man, I, I guess I just got in there deep and junked them 12 laps in the race. Like, I guess I just really suck bad, and I feel bad for wrecking my – pretty much only friend in the field <laughs> and to cap it all off i asked him like two weeks ago for some beats for my wife and he gave them to me like five minutes before the race started and then i thanked him by trashing him so i called him when i right when i left the garage i said hey man dude i'm so sorry like i guess i cooked it in there i thought you were going to the middle and i you know i suck sorry man like i call you i'll talk to you later then i was just scrolling twitter and saw the replay and saw Ricky got in my left rear first. So I called Bubba back. I said, never mind. Ricky got it in my left rear first. That's why I spun you out. So call Ricky and yell at him and then hung him. Hung up. <laughs> but hey, then you got Ricky back, didn't you? <laughs> like the next lap. <laughs> I'm perfect. I'm, I'll just go ahead and recap my day. So Ricky didn't know that he was top of three. He thought he was top of two because the 34 was kind of showing bottom. So I had to leave a lane, and then he kind of came across my right front. Yeah, it's just bad. That It's bad in the three there. It is tough because you're already loose, and then there's it funnels mm -hmm. there. But I'm glad you asked me some questions because I was going to get there eventually. But now that you prodded me, now the fans know how my day sucked. But your day, my friend, did not suck. So continue to reap the benefits of your hard work. And, uh, man, congratulations again. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, and we're back. Great talking to uh, – I think Kyle Larson might be the most frequent caller in of the show because he also wins all the time, so we just didn't want to keep bringing him back for 10 races. But we got him as a champion in our deluxe championship edition. But also, we didn't want to forget the fans who sent in some questions via Twitter, hashtag Penny for your thoughts. So, Janie, what are we working with? All right, so our first question comes from AJ, and he – Tags Merriman, but we'll let Corey answer. He says, would you like to see NASCAR do a test with headlights and temporary lighting in certain spots at tracks that don't have lights for night racing? You want Merriman's answer first since it came to me? Yes. I think you guys should strap flashlights to your head and just deal with it. I don't think anybody wants to see that. I wouldn't be opposed to some sort of OEM, like, 
because a, a headlight variant, like not very bright, not actually showing where you're going, just not what we did at the all-star race with the underbody glow, Tokyo drift style, something maybe like a working headlight. I don't know. That's way not up to me. That's uh, I don't know. I, I, but yes, I think another element to make a NASCAR closer to a street car could help the OEMs justify the spend and, you know, give something else to talk about. Use your turn signal when you come to pit road. Yeah. Just keep using it left. And we're taking a left turn. No, my wife would yell at me because I, I would never use it just like I do don't on the street. Harvick and Kurt would just leave theirs on all race because they're old now. <laughs> Zinger. Don't talk about, talk, don't talk about Chuck's guy like that. On that note, uh, the second question comes from James Maples, and he says, if Tim Richmond, Davey Allison, and Adam Petty all live to have full careers, would Richard Petty be the only seven-time champ? No. No, like, because <laughs> he's, he's not the only one. Uh, what? Like, Jimmy uh, or Dale Earnhardt? Um, you know, I, now, there's all sorts of hypotheticals. What if David Pearson... What if David Pearson was actually a full-time driver? I mean, he has he has the highest frequency win percentage in NASCAR history. So who's to say if David Pearson would have went racing full-time, Richard Petty would even have seven championships. So we can go on down the list of if this guy would have done this, that guy would have done that. Who knows? But it is what it is. We got Richard, Dale, and Jimmy. Is there only three seven-time champions? And you heard Kyle Larson say – he doesn't think somebody else can get seven. I kind of agree with him. You want me to leave him with an ice cold take, Corey, for the rest of the year? Yeah. David Pearson's the greatest NASCAR driver of all time, period. Uh, that's not the greatest. That's not ice cold take. Because on my shelf, in my backdrop, ladies and gentlemen, is this signed David Pearson 21 car because he is my all-time favorite. Yes, I agree with that take. Next question. Moving on. I have a question for you to close out this segment. So as I was watching the race towards the last 20 laps, I noticed that Larson was doing really well on the high line and then moved down because he saw that Truex was doing well getting clean air. And then he decided to change his lane again and go back up to the top because he saw that Truex went to the top. You're playing offense and defense back and forth. When do you make the call to start giving your competitor the disadvantage and start focusing on him rather than like where you're best at? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question, Janie. I think as soon as you, because Cliff is looking and the spotters are looking at timing and scoring. So you can tell when your times are equal and match. So if Kyle Larson's running a 28 flat and the 19's running a 28 flat, like keep doing what you're doing. Now, if you see the 19 start going to the top and using some resin, enter on the bottom, staying like sliding up into it in one and two, running the bottom in three and four, and he's starting to make up a tenth, like you, hey, you transmit to Kyle, hey, gaining some time. He's about a tenth better than you just found the top in one and two is working. So he can do two things. He can try to find that grip with his car, but also start air blocking a little bit. So it's a, as soon as the time starts to offset, one person finds a little bit of speed uh, that's relayed to the driver. And then Kyle can go kind of search around and there's nobody else better than him right now with all of his dirt experience to go try to find that little bit of extra grip. Uh, and he found it and it was enough to uh, hold that 19 car off. And there, there you have it. Hashtag penny for your thoughts. The penny stackers of the week, guys, we thought about doing lug nuts, you know, 
because they're gone. All, all five of them. See you later. Little tiny yellow nuts. Now we're going for one big black nut uh, and, you know, welcoming another era, little next generation of a car, next generation of nuts, just one nut. Welcome into that. I'm going to miss seeing those little yellow things scattered all across pit road, trying to slip on them, pegging pit boxes, maybe onlookers that are not paying attention, but they're gone. If you get hit by one of these lug nuts now, Merriman, that son of a bitch is, it might take an arm. I mean, <laughs> it's, those things are monster, monster nuts. Those, uh, those nuts are robust. They, they are very robust nuts. They got to be. I mean, they're being torqued to 800 pounds. So if you try to twist those nuts on there, you know, it's going to be a hard time getting them off. But we're not talking about nuts anymore. We're talking about you, the fans, the listeners who have been listening to this show from its inception. Because in the beginning, we didn't know what this was. Hell, we still don't know what it is 36 weeks later. But we appreciate y'all listening to it each and every week. I love hearing stacking pennies being yelled at me in driver intros during autograph sessions because you guys are what's making this show keep going. It's what you guys, the fact that you're listening, let's NASCAR have me back next year and do the show again. So we're trying to figure out some cool content ideas over the off season. You're going to see us in Nashville for the awards banquet. Obviously I'm not going to be there for any sort of awards. I'll be talking to the guys that are getting them and I don't know. We'll figure out some cool stuff in between now. And then we got some next gen tests coming up next week here at the Charlotte oval. We've got a Phoenix test here in December. We got a Daytona test in January, another Vegas test in January as well. So, so much on track action more so than we've ever had in the past uh, that we will be certainly covering for y'all and any news breaking you will more than likely hear it here, not first, probably not second. Sometime about a week after the news drops, we'll be talking about it. Uh, and if you ever want to hear our opinions, you know where to come. Guys, I wanted to first thank the fans. I wanted to thank Chuck, Jonathan Merriman, Janie. Oh, yeah. And Pit Road Boats and Wells Analyst, Ryan Flores. Uh, and all of our bosses, quote unquote, at NASCAR that let us do this probably begrudgingly a lot of the times. Uh, but we are not done. Guys, we'll probably be back next week talking about something, but we'll be around. But this is the championship deluxe edition uh, of Stacking Pennies. I appreciate y'all being involved.